I pray that you would speak through your scriptures this morning, Lord, that, that I wouldn't get in the way, that I wouldn't um, make people confused, that I wouldn't um, um, sidetrack off of what your, what your word has to say, Lord, but that I would unpack like, the treasures that are, in, that are in your word, Lord, and, and um, use them to bring glory to your son. I pray that the folks who are here would, would hear you and know you better, um, just, just spending time in your presence, just, just hearing your word and just knowing you more. Help to, to make us into your people through through learning about you and knowing you better. In Jesus' name, amen. I uh, actually I think it's funny. My wife does the graphics and the pretty stuff for the slides, um, and, and she picked a hammock for my Sabbath sermon. I, I'm not sure if that was uh, just to make me smile, because one of my favorite things to do in life is to lay in the hammock and read. Um, and in fact, actually, I've written quite a few sermons in my hammock. Um, and, and it is, it is like just outside. I'm pretty sure heaven will have a lot of them. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, wow. I, 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 this morning I was trying to come up with a, with a good way to approach this, this topic. We're going to be talking about Sabbath for the next few weeks. And, uh, um, actually what I, my mind kept drawing back to over and over again was, was when I was in junior high, the first time I ever went on a date with a girl, um, which is a long time ago. And I remember for years, like, like from the point where I noticed girls on, that I, I thought about, you know, being around them more and spending time with them. And, and it, was, it was a pretty exciting thing that I managed to go on a date with an actual, like, living girl, right? And, and the amazing thing about it, like, looking back, is that I did not enjoy it at all. I... In no way, I, it's not that it went badly, it's that um, I, I had all of these things that I had to try and remember and try to avoid, you know, all of the social landmines I, I, that, that every junior high boy, like, is painfully and horribly aware of. I, the guys in the room understand what I'm talking about, right? No, really, <laughs> it's just me. Um, I, I remember drinking carefully so I wouldn't spill on myself. I remember um, trying to figure out if I was supposed to hold her hand. Uh, we went to a to a dance at the you know like a junior high school dance, which is you know I, I'm pretty sure there's actually a circle of hell that is a junior high school dance forever, <laughs> like because <laughs> I had to figure out like how to do that. You know it was it was awful, and I didn't enjoy any of it because I was so busy trying to not screw up and trying to follow all of these like unwritten rules that like I I didn't enjoy it. I just had to get through it. And I don't think I ever went on a date with her again. Like, it was, <laughs> it was bad. Um, and I don't think I, anyway, um, do with that what you will. But as we talk about Sabbath, Sabbath is a complicated topic, and it's a complicated topic for all of the wrong reasons. It's a complicated topic because it's this great gift God has given us. It's this great opportunity we have to enjoy the, the creation and him and ourselves and everything else and it gets bogged down in, in, you know, worrying about details. You all with me? Like, to the point where a lot of Christians just disregard the word Sabbath altogether. They say, oh, nope, that particular commandment's gone. We don't do that. We're in the new era. Like, we don't worry about all that stuff. And so, like, it be, it's become this thing that we sort of walk by because it, it sometimes because it's too complicated, sometimes because we don't understand it. And I, I, uh, I've spent a lot of time studying it in the last year, and I, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. And so we're going to dig into this, right, right before Christmas. Um, 
but, but so like as we get into it, I'm going to give you some basics here. Um, first off, Sabbath was instituted at creation. Y'all are aware of this, right? Because God took how many days to create the world? And then he did what? He took a day off because he needed to? No, probably not. He's God, right? Like if he can say light exists and then suddenly light exists where light didn't exist before, like if he can command by a word for things to come into existence, I could say things all day. You know, I could command pizza to show up and it ain't showing up, right? I could command my kids to clean their room. They don't even do that. Like, like God is all-powerful. He is omniscient, omnipotent, om, omnipresent, omni-everything. Like, he is, he is God. And so, like, God didn't need a rest. He did it as a demonstration, right? As a demonstration of this great gift that he gives us. Like, he takes this day off to enjoy the creation and to sit back and say, man, that is good, right? And so, like, like as a basic here... Um, Like, it starts in the beginning. And for the Jewish folks, Sabbath was serious business. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You could actually be executed for disobeying the Sabbath rule. That is a heck of an incentive, right? I mean, I I imagine, you know, know, hey, oh, you didn't rest well enough. Take him out and kill him. Like, that's a good restful thing, right? Like, that makes me want to nap. Um, (laughs) um, And actually, for the Sabbath, like, the Jewish... Folks were so bad at the Sabbath for so long that when they got back from the exile, they started coming up with extra rules to make absolutely certain that they didn't break the Sabbath laws. And so they'd be like, all right, nobody makes their bed on the Sabbath. Got it? We catch you making your bed. We'll we'll execute you. Right? And I I believe in that. That's why I never make my bed. Um, Or actually, there was one group of folks, the Essenes, during the time of Christ, like, the Essenes, John the Baptist, may have been an Essene. Like, there's a lot of, like, speculation that he may have been one of these guys. But they were so strict in their Sabbath regulation that they didn't go to the bathroom on the Sabbath, just in case. Like, <laughs> I, like I don't know how that's worked, but, but like, like, they were very serious, and they had all kinds of rules and things like, well, you can't travel further than this number of miles from your home on the Sabbath. You can't... Um, you know, if you're hungry, you can't go out and pick fruit from your, like, orchard because that would be work. If you're, like, I mean, all of these rules, and, and they were very serious about them, and they still are. There are rabbis who've come up with how to obey the Sabbath while you're on the International Space Station. That's, like, a real thing, right? Like, how do you not work on the space station? And what day is Sabbath? Because the sun doesn't go up and it doesn't go down. Like, what do you even do with that? But it is a very serious business. And, like, I mean, have you ever met somebody who is so serious about their vacation that they can't rest? And that they don't relax and they don't enjoy themselves? Anybody know? <laughs> Did you just point at me? <laughs> Did that just happen? I... <laughs> um, but this, this thing that was supposed to be a gift... This day of rest, this day of taking a day off, this day of spending time with God, like had become and morphed into like, oh my gosh, we don't want to make God angry. Let's get this right. And they like just turned it into a nightmare, right? And in fact, I I wonder if ancient like Jews during this period like dreaded the Sabbath because they're like, oh my gosh, I I want to use the bathroom tomorrow, but like I can't because then the guy next to me will know that I did and he'll know I'm not a very good Jew. 
I, it, it became insane. And Christ, one of the major conflicts he had with the, with the uh, ancient rabbis, with the ancient authorities, was over Sabbath. Like, they argued about it a lot. And we'll cover some of those in a future sermon, but not today. Um, there's a lot of Christian confusion regarding the Sabbath. There are groups that believe that Sabbath has to be on Saturday because that's when the Jewish Saturday, Sabbath is, right? And there's groups like the Seventh-day Adventists who say, if you don't obey the Sabbath, you are in big trouble. It's always on Saturday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are folks who will say, well, we don't obey the Sabbath at all. Some of y'all may have grown up in homes where you weren't allowed to play baseball in the yard on Sabbath, Sunday. No one? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I've known people who weren't allowed to play in the yard on, on, Saturday, on Sunday because it was a Sabbath. I, I had somebody just ask me a few weeks ago, why do we do Sunday instead of Saturday? We'll cover that here in a little while, too. Um, there's all of this confusion around it. And we're going to try and pick this apart and give you, like, I'm going to do my best to give you a biblical perspective on this topic. Um, and so, so buckle in. We're actually going to talk about rest for a few days. That's good, right? Cue nap time. <laughs> I should have had Jess cue up, like, the lullaby to play while I was, anyway. Um, so we're going to be in the letter of the Colossians. What's going on in the church in Colossae, like the church in Colossa, um, is that there is a, group of folks who are probably not, I mean, it's unclear if they're a part of the church or if they're a breakaway sect, right? But these were folks who were super serious about the Jewish laws. And the church at this time had like, like slugged it out over the Jewish laws, like to no end. And in fact, actually the first council, first church council, the council of Jerusalem, they sat down and they said, well, do the Gentiles need to obey the Jewish laws in order to become Christians? And they had this big meeting and they offered out an opinion, like a perspective. And that became the law um, that the Gentiles didn't have to obey the dietary laws and they didn't have to obey the holiday laws and they didn't have to obey all of these things. So it had already been like settled, but there was this group of folks who had broken away and said, nope, if you're not obeying the Jewish laws properly, you're not a believer. Like, and, and that became this standard. Um, and, and this is something Christians do an awful lot throughout history, right? Don't dress the right way, not a Christian, right? Drink, smoke, or chew? Or no, wait a minute, it's drink, dance, or chew, is that it? Or go with girls who do? Are you serious? I'm the only, no, she knew it, yeah. <laughs> um, You know, if you do any of those things, then you're not a Christian. And, like, all of these weird standards have been incorporated because, like, we kind of want to do what the old rabbis did. We want to set up guardrails so you don't get too close to sinning and you don't look like the world too much, right? Um, And and that's what's going on. Like, all of these, like, like Judaizers is what would be traditionally called, had sort of broken away, and they were throwing down with these guys and denouncing them and giving them grief and, like, like judging them and and paul is addressing a lot of this heresy um before we get to that we're going to do a little bit of um ten commandments right um because there's a cool thing i never noticed until this week and and so this is a this is a neat thing watch this so this is the ten commandments appears in the bible twice anybody know where they are exodus 20 and deuteronomy 5 um and in these two sections, they're slightly different. Um, and watch this. So Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it, you shall not do any work. 
you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now watch this. The major theme there is um, the creation. The world is designed to take a break. Right? You as people are designed to take a break. I know farmers, this is, this is sort of edgy, right? Like, you, you know, you're designed to stop once in a while. I know the work is never done, right? But, like, you are designed to stop and rest and take a break and spend time with God and spend time with your loved ones and enjoy the world. That, that's how the world is created, right? And this is the point of this particular commandment is stop and rest everyone there's a cool thing here because it includes everyone it's not just you jewish folks take a day off it's people who work for you take the day off your neighbors take the day off if there's a foreigner visiting they take the day off everyone takes the day off and in fact actually in the prophets there's spots where god gets really mad because there are jewish folks who take the sabbath but make their slaves servants foreigners everyone else work but they work so that so that the boss can take the day off. And what God is telling us, and by the way, this is God speaking it with his voice. He wrote it with his finger on the, on the tablets, and then it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant, right? Like this was a central thing. This is a huge deal. Nothing else in the Jewish world like turns up with this kind of significant connection to the Father. Um, but it is all of this, right? Take a day off. How many of y'all do that well? I'm going to ask. How many of y'all use that extra day off to get the dishes done and the house cleaned and the clutter cleaned up and the vacuuming done and the dishes washed and everything else? Um, it's true, right? Taking a day off is hard because there's always something else to do. Um, and actually, our culture is times 10 on this. Just to raise a hand, how many of y'all in the last month have answered the question, how are you doing? I am so busy. Oh, like three of us? How many of you are lying? <laughs> Our culture prides itself in over-busyness and overwork, don't we? I mean, like, it is a badge of honor that I am constantly running and never taking a day off. Um, the reality is that we're not designed to live that way. Um, but we'll get to that a little more, like, cause, because, well, anyway. So the whole creation is supposed to take a Sabbath, and that's what Exodus tells us. Now, Deuteronomy... This is more directly oriented toward the Jewish people because Deuteronomy is a slightly different book. It deals with, like, more Jewish-specific laws. Watch this. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you shall labor um, and do all your work in the seventh day of the Sabbath to, your, to the Lord your God. I'm doing this really quickly. So um, in it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you, etc., etc., um, it's all a day of rest. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now there's the difference is in the last sentence, right? So the first one we get, everybody take a day off, no matter what. And in the second one, he says, hey, the reason we're doing this is you guys were slaves. 
and I brought you out of slavery. And you're going to take a day. So there's two big themes we see here. The first one is all about creation because the world is designed to take a break now and again. The second one is about redemption, right? I brought you out of slavery. I redeemed you. And there's a hint in this, right? Because everything in the Old Testament points toward Jesus. Got it? When you read the Old Testament, if somebody tells you, oh, the story of David and Goliath is about standing up to mean people and having confidence, that's not what it's about. Um, It's about God going out and fighting on their behalf. And in reality, Jesus, like David is a symbol of Jesus, right? Jesus goes out and slays death. He slays sin, something I can't do, right? Jesus goes out and fights on my behalf and saves me, right? The story of everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus. And this is about Jesus. And we get two elements there, what we're created for and what we're redeemed for. Got it? This is cool because we're going to get to it in a second. Now we're going to jump to Colossians, these two themes, creation, redemption, creation, redemption. Um, we're going to start a little before our actual verse, and I'm, apolo- oh, I'm not apologizing. I want to offer some context. If you see a guy preaching on one word and one verse, that's usually a problem. I want to make sure it's clear that like this fits and why it fits. Even though I am absent in the body, this is Paul writing, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. So Paul says, hey, I'm not with you, but I'm rejoicing with you because I'm watching you and you are nailing it in your faith. You're walking in the faith. You are living it. You are that those people. And he is proud of them for that. Therefore, right, whenever you see a therefore, it's got to be connected to the previous verse. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having him firmly rooted, um, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So he says, hey, I see how you're doing. Keep it up, right? You're walking in your faith. You're living it out. You're embodying all of this stuff you believe, and that is awesome. Everybody with me? We can all agree this is pretty straightforward stuff. Right. Keep doing what you learn to do. Keep living out what you believe. Keep it nailed down. You got it. Overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Now, there's a funny thing here. Paul, like, is a wordsmith. Paul is like an amazing intellect and he uses the word philosophy there and it's going to come up in a, again in a little later just be aware like a philosophy would be a system of thought that you apply to the world to help it but like but what paul's saying here is look any system of thought any way of viewing the world any empty thing anything that some guy just came up with that they try to throw on you to make you a captive to it don't do it stay in christ right because being in jesus is more important than following somebody else's rules. Got it? Following the teachings of Christ is more important than, like, a lot of the nonsense that gets tossed on us. Like, like be careful that you don't fall into this trap. And it's a trap. Um, let there be no doubt. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, meaning Jesus was fully God and fully man. And in him, you have been made complete, meaning once you are with him, God makes you a complete person. He restores you. He forgives you. He makes you into what you were meant to be. And he has head over all rule and authority, meaning Jesus is in charge of the whole wide world. 
And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. There's a big mouthful, but he does this for a reason. I I included it all together for a reason. Watch this. He starts out with circumcision. Now the Judaizers, these people who are there trying to get people to follow the old Jewish laws, one of the things they would try and do is, hey, if you're a guy and you're a believer, you better be circumcised, right? And Paul comes along and says, hey, if you are a believer, you've already been circumcised because circumcision was a symbol of what Christ does in our hearts. He cuts away the old man and it gets tossed off. And, and you've been circumcised in your heart and soul like you are a new person because the old part is gone. You all with me? So Paul is making it clear, hey, don't buy into the circumcision line they're trying to sell you. Don't do it. Um, by the way, in the ancient Jewish world, there were a handful of things that made it very clear you were a Jewish person, a Jew. Um, circumcision was one. I have no idea how they figured that out publicly. Um, so don't ask. Uh, Sabbath observation was one, like obeying the Sabbath properly, obeying the festivals. There were like all of these things that you had to do in order for people to know you were culturally Jewish, right? That's like being a Christian. Well, I say the right words and I go to church every Sunday. I carry around a 35-pound Bible with me and I've got a T-shirt with like a Jesus and a Coke logo mixed up together. Um, (laughs) These were outward view things and they were being pushed. Like, hey, get the outward signs of being Jewish and Christian. Um, in the removal of the body from the flesh. Then he talks about baptism. He says, listen, when you were baptized, you were buried. The old you died, was buried in the ground, and you came to life, a new creation, because Jesus died for you. The old self dies with him, the sinful part of you. Every rotten thing you've ever done has been taken away and thrown away and is gone forever and ever, which is awesome, right? And, like, we are brought to this new place as new people brought to life, Like where we were dead in our sins, now we're alive in Christ. Um, A lot of background here, but we'll get to it, and it's going to make sense in a minute, okay? Um, When you were dead in your transgression and the uncircumcision of your flesh before you knew Christ, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, watch this. He's saying every sin you've ever committed and the weight of expectation for you to work and earn heaven, right? All of that stuff, Jesus takes it all. And when he is nailed to the cross, he carries it with him. And he, it's all gone. It's all dead. He's punished on your behalf. Um, there's this idea in Christianity that you need to work hard enough to go to heaven. And it is an unchristian idea. Anybody who tells you that you have to earn your way into heaven is lying to you. And if you try to earn your way to heaven, you will be making one of the biggest mistakes you can possibly make in life. Right? Like, like, bigger than joining a pyramid scheme. Bigger than, you know, like, like, like the biggest mistake is earning your way to heaven. You cannot do it. On your own, you will always sin. You will always fail. You will always stumble. You will always fall short. But Christ knew that. So he dies and takes punishment for our sin, lives the perfect life on our behalf. And now all we have to do is be his people. And if we're his people, we're saved, right? Well, where does that leave Sabbath? 
Right? Because Sabbath is this law you're supposed to obey. But, like, are you still supposed to obey it? Or, like, what's the story there? Um, and we'll get to that in a second, okay? It's important. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, literally, this says, he stripped them, right? When he tore off their garments, when he had dis- disarmed the, the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Um, meaning the father, like, takes Satan and takes evil and strips it publicly, humiliating it, because all of its power is gone, and now we are in Christ free, right? Therefore... This is where it gets cool. Right? There's a long way to go to get to this verse. So if you're asleep, it's time to wake up. <laughs> Rest time's over. Um, therefore, no one, no one, no one. Is that clear, guys? No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day which are things uh, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs in Christ. This is a really loaded sentence, okay? There's a lot here, and I'm going to do my best to explain it well. Watch this. First off, no one is to, don't allow anyone to judge you. Of course, I can't stop someone from judging me, right? I can't. I cannot, like, go into the other guy's head and make him think different. I think what Paul is saying here, probably what Paul is saying here is when somebody approaches you and they look down on you, they say, you are not Christian enough. You are not doing it good enough. Don't steer based on that. You all understand me? I, I cannot emphasize this enough. We steer according to Christ's perspective of us, according to our relationship with him, not according to what everybody around you thinks. If you are sitting in a room full of people today or if you find yourself sitting in a room full of people who look down on you because you are not Christian enough, right? That's their deal. Your walk with Jesus is between you and Jesus. Now, that does not mean that we don't like pull each other aside and say, hey, you know what, I'm watching you and I feel like you're struggling in this area or I feel like you're stumbling. There are people in this room who've done that for me and I cannot tell you the degree of thankful I am, right? Because I would rather be called out. I would rather be informed when I'm being dumb. And usually when I'm being dumb, I don't notice. Right? I mean, I'm not sure. Lots of other people do, but <laughs> dumb blinds me. Like, like we're supposed to keep each other accountable. We're supposed to walk with each other. But when we look down on each other and say, oh, 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 oh. That, that's, we're to avoid that. Do not let people, in regards to food or drink, now, this is a Jewish thing, right? Because they had very strict rules about what you could and could not eat. And he's saying, don't worry about the dietary laws, right? They existed for a reason, but that reason is over. It was a shadow of things to come, right? It's important. In respect to a festival, meaning like a Jewish religious ceremony, or a new moon, because these things are shadows of what's to come, meaning they were Old Testament things that pointing forward to to Jesus. Um, because everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus. So like these festivals, these things, and then the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a shadow of something that was to come, the substance of which is in Christ. Now, um, this is not a good setting to explain this. Well, actually, I can hop right on down here. 
I have a shadow on the wall. How clear is my shadow? I'm not Peter Pan, so my shadow isn't very substantial either, right? Like, it is literally just a, a, an image cast on the wall. If I do the bunny thing, there's not really a rabbit over here. <laughs> um, a shadow is an inconsequential thing that is an indicator of what's nearby. Um, there's also a philosophy thing here, because Paul is brilliant, right? Um, there was this fellow named Plato, right? Not the fun stuff that you ate when you were a kid. Other people, not me. I, <laughs> um, Plato was a Greek philosopher, and Plato um, brought us or brought the ancient world the, the philosophy of forms. And what the idea was that there, everything in the world is a shadow of something better in the other world, which would be the form, right? And so everything is a shadow of a form. And so when you see a tree, there's a perfect tree somewhere else, right? And like the, the Greeks, they hated anything of the flesh. They hated anything physical because they would say it's an imperfect copy of something that exists somewhere else. That's your Greek philosophy 101. It's a lot less interesting than I just made it sound. Um, but... Paul is referencing something that these guys, this Colossus, it's Greece, right? They would know this. But instead of saying form, he says body, soma, right, is the Greek word he uses, body. Because it's not pointing to something out there. It's pointing to Jesus, who was a guy who showed up, right? This, this God stepping into the world. And Everything points to him. So when Sabbath happens, it points to him. By the way, creation and redemption. Remember I said this? Christ redeems us. We take a day off because Christ makes it so we don't have to work in heaven. And we rest. Jesus is our rest. Any of y'all ever like lay in bed at night and guilt over something? Really? I see a couple of nods. Any of y'all ever beat yourself up over something happened 20 years ago and you can't just, just let it go? And you think, man, how could I be so stupid? I just need to work harder to do better next time. Or like, I, this is my thing I, where I'll, I'll just do the wrong thing in the moment and I'll spend the next week beating myself up. They think, oh, why can't I do better? Christ is the rest we have from that. Christ is the rest we have from the fear that we're doing it wrong. Christ is the rest we have from the obligation to work our way to heaven, right? Because you ain't ever going to climb that high, not on your own. So he climbs down. But he is our rest. That is what the Sabbath is. It's in Hebrews. We're going to do that in two weeks. No, next week, I think. Um, And so first off, Sabbath is rest. And it's also creation because we were created to take a break. We were created to take time to be with Jesus. I've been married for 19 and a half years. Is that right? Um, It is amazing that in 19 and a half years, like when we first started dating, we could talk for like two days straight. Right? Like, I mean, we talked forever and ever and ever. And I swear somewhere along the way, I forgot to have conversations with my wife. And then I forgot how to. Anybody ever experienced that? Or you sit down and you're like, oh, man, we should be talking right now. Uh, work, the kids, what did we used to talk about? Um, 
I, I, you know, I, I, I bring this up because there's two extremes here, right? You could be like me on homecoming night with a girl too afraid to enjoy myself because I was so afraid of screwing up. Or you can take so full advantage of it that you don't even bother to enjoy it. But Sabbath is about relationship with Christ, right? There's something we'll talk about in the future weeks. Sabbath is about taking time to just spend with God, right? One of my, my favorite things that my wife and I sometimes do is we go on a date every week, right? We'll go out and we'll eat dinner together. Man, it is wonderful spending time with her without little kids nearby, isn't it? Well, y'all don't know, but <laughs> in your own experience, isn't it wonderful? Or like Monday nights, I get together with a handful of folks who are friends of mine, and we play board games. And I am not Pastor Eric. I am Eric. Sore loser. Um, <laughs> but there is a joy in that because nobody, oh, I don't owe anybody anything during that two hours on Monday night, right? I get to enjoy the company of the people around me. Sabbath is about enjoying Jesus. Sabbath is about taking time away, stepping away and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus today. You can do that with your family. Isn't that crazy? You can do it with the church. Like, again, one of my favorite times, like anytime I get to visit with you all where I'm not playing my part as Pastor Eric, I love that. I love potlucks or the brisket cook-off because I'm sitting around and talking and I'm visiting and I'm enjoying how much I love you guys. Right? And I'm encountering Christ through our time together. Like, that's why worship is such a big deal on Sabbath, right? Or, or at least once a week. Like, we, we take time to worship because we spend time with Jesus that way. All of Sabbath, all of actually everything in the scriptures, all of the rules and everything else is all about just having a relationship with Christ. It's about drawing close to God. It's about being his people, becoming like him, right? We'll never be perfect at it, but we become like him, um, Everything is about that. So when it says it is a shadow of the body, not some ethereal, made-up nonsense, but the actual Jesus, like Sabbath points forward to that. And we get to enjoy that, right? Man, and it, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing to back up and say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but it's okay. It's okay because Jesus died for me. It's okay because God loved me even when I was at my worst I think of the worst, worst version of Eric, and, and nobody here has been lucky enough to know that version of Eric except my wife. Um, and I think, man, Jesus loved me then. Like, there's a rest in that because I can't screw it up, right? That is date night where, like, I'm going to homecoming and I actually can't dance stupid enough or spill punch on my shirt or accidentally stick her with a pen when I'm putting that dumb boutonniere on. Is that? No, it's a corsage. God, I didn't even get that right. Like, there's rest in Christ. Christ is our Sabbath rest. Sabbath points toward him because we can just take a break and say, you know what, I'm going to love God, I'm going to enjoy him, and we're just going to enjoy it. That's it. No rules, no nothing, just enjoy it. And it is time actually spent. Um, we'll get into that a little deeper. Uh, one more line here. We jump way to the end of the chapter. I decided not to include the whole chapter because it would be too much. But after talking about everything else, Paul boils it down. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So what Paul says here is he says, listen, these guys are making up all these rules and they look good. Don't rules look good? 
They do. Man, like, we had a, I had a good friend who went to church here for a little while, and, and she moved away. But she was so embarrassed to come to church because she had to duck out in the middle to have a cigarette. She, oh, I don't want people to know I'm having a cigarette. I'm horrible. Oh, it's so bad. It's like, well, you're getting to know Jesus, aren't you? You think the cigarette's that big a deal? I'm not saying smoking's cool or anything like that. I'm not endorsing it. I'm, you know, whatever. I, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when we come up with rules and say you can't be a Christian if you blank, we're missing the point. Does that mean we sin all the more? No, right? No. But dressing wrong or saying the wrong words or standing in the wrong crowd or having the wrong friends or living on the wrong side of town or having the wrong history does not make you not a follower of Jesus. Struggling with sin does not make you not a follower of Jesus. Um, All of these things look cool, but you will never earn your way to heaven. And you will never overcome your sin by beating yourself up. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about this a little more. But my challenge to you this week, and I like to have some application. I like to put it out there where, like, this is something that you do. And this is a big deal because Sabbath is a thing you do, right? Sabbath is a, is a life. It is an in action. What do we do with Sabbath? Take a break. Right? Like, look in your heart, look in your mind, and say to yourself, do I take time to not do anything but to, like, spend time with my family and spend time with God? Like, do I do that at all? Is there an hour a week, apart from worship, where I do that? So an hour a week where I sit down and just sort of enjoy being, or I breathe, or am I sitting and thinking about, oh, man, I really can't believe the kids just made another mess with their toys. I better go clean that up. Or, oh, man, I better go and get this done. You know, or, oh, man, I got to try harder and work harder. Honestly, I picked this series out a month ago, and I, a week and a half ago, said, well, I'm going to do something else because Sabbath is just about rest. I'm going to do something about the next bit of work we need to do as a church. And I realized that, like, Friday, and I rewrote the sermon because of that because I was like, man, like, if we can't rest and spend time with God, there's absolutely no point. If you are following Jesus and you don't take time to be with him and you don't take time to rest in him and enjoy his company and enjoy the blessings he's given you, like, you're, you're robbing yourself. Does that mean you're not a believer? No. Does it mean you're missing out on some of the good stuff? Yeah. I watch my kids sometimes eat candy from their Halloween bucket. And they like Tootsie Rolls which are awful. They like candy corn, which is candle wax. <laughs> they, like, I mean, they like the worst candy. But the best part of the ha- Halloween candy bag is the Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Isn't it true? Or the Almond Joys. And don't you dare badmouth Almond Joy. <laughs> or the Heath Bars. Like, Instead, they dig in on this awful candy that everybody knows is no good, but they don't know any better. Are you eating the wrong candy in your life, folks? Are you enjoying the good things that God has given you? The good thing is relationship with Christ. The good thing is knowing you're forgiven and enjoying the fact that you're forgiven and free. The good thing is spending time with God and family and enjoying the creation, which was made to be good and wonderful. But, man, we miss that, don't we? Where are you at? What are you doing? Are you eating the candy corn or are you feasting down on the good stuff? I'm going to close in prayer, and uh, I'll let you all be.
Heavenly Father, I pray you be with us. I pray that you'd help us to... Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to rest in you. It's so easy to get hung up and worried and scared or just quit the whole thing altogether and say, I'm not going to do it. Lord God, help us dig into this idea of resting and enjoying you and help us to actually do it. Help us to savor the best parts of our relationship with Christ, the, the grace, the forgiveness, the rest that Christ is our Sabbath, Lord. Help us to enjoy that and help us to recognize that those things, those observances are just observances, but that Jesus is the substance of it. Spending time with you is the big thing. Spending time with you is the only thing that matters. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Have a good morning, folks. Oh, next week is the nursing home worship day. And so if you would like to go to the nursing home, we always are looking for folks to go with us to do worship with the seniors. That is all.